If you have your Bibles with you this morning, will you please turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Hebrews 11.23 makes this statement. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. It's a reference to Exodus chapter 2. And even though... Hebrews 11 makes reference to both of Moses' parents and their faith. Exodus 2, 1 through 10, really focuses on Moses' mother and her faith and her fear of God as opposed to the fear of man. And Hebrews 11, 23 makes the statement that it was by faith that she hid Moses for three months after he was born. And it says that she was not afraid of the king's edict. And the reason she was not afraid of the king, she was not afraid of of Pharaoh, is because she feared God. She feared God more than man. And so did what she thought was right in her heart. Exodus 2 verse 1 says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have today to honor our mothers, to think about what your word has to say, about godly motherhood. It's a privilege, Lord, to worship you and to gather and to hear your words of wisdom today. Lord, I pray that as we think on this story that we all have heard many times, that we would think about it in the context of the culture in which we live, the great need of the hour, the need that we have for godly mothers, mothers of faith and mothers who fear you more than fear man. Lord, bless this time as we meditate on your word, and we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. I'm convinced that 
we need desperately today. Mothers of faith and mothers who fear God. And Moses' mother in this story, I think, provides an example of that. And she provides an example, I think, in three specific ways. One of the ways that she provides this example is in the way that she protected her son from danger. Mothers of faith and godly fear value and protect children even when the culture around them does not. You don't have to look around very hard and very far to know that our culture does not value children. Our culture doesn't value children. I mean, the obvious application of that is abortion. And so we have millions upon millions of human beings, people made in the image of God, people who bear his image, people who have, as Ecclesiastes says, have eternity in their hearts. And yet mothers are choosing to kill them. Why? I think because in large part, because of the message of our culture, the message of our culture is it's too difficult to raise children in this world. So it's more convenient to not have children. Or maybe it's not, you're not ready yet. It's not convenient now. Our, all, our world also says to women, uh, you need to have the freedom to pursue your career. You need to be able to be and do everything that a man can do whenever a man can do it. And so you don't need to be burdened down by pregnancy. You don't need to be burdened down by motherhood. And so pursue your career, pursue whatever goals you have. And if children are an inconvenience, if they're a hindrance to that, if pregnancy is a hindrance to that, then just end it. Children are not valued. They're not protected in our culture. And they are the ones who should be valued and protected the most because they are the most vulnerable Can you think of a more vulnerable human being than a baby who is still inside his or her mother's womb? That child needs protection. That child needs nourishment. That child needs to be valued and cared for, not killed. But our culture doesn't value children in other ways as well. Abortion is an obvious example, but our culture also doesn't value children Because we see in the Western world, by the Western world, I'm talking about uh, Europe, United States, Canada, uh, European culture in general. We have seen over the last several decades a steady and sharp decline in the birth rate of, of families. So that now in much of the civilized world, We are not now on a pace even to reproduce ourselves and to to maintain the population that we have. At the current rate that we are going, population will decrease. White European peoples will decrease. And if we as Christians do not take a different tactic, the Christian faith as a whole will decrease. The command that God gave to Adam and Eve 
in Genesis chapter 2. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I see nowhere in scripture where that command has been done away with. And throughout the New Testament, throughout the scriptures, both old and new, but even in the New Testament, you see an emphasis on godly mothering, on raising up godly children, on being families who value children and teach those children what is right. And, and I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it here again just as an application of what I'm talking about. But if we want Eastside Baptist Church to grow and to flourish 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now into the next generation, we need young families. We need young families who will have children. And we're either needing to reach those young families from our community in Winfield, or our children are need to going to be able to stay in Winfield and have children and grow the church naturally, if you will, that way. That's how a lot of churches have grown throughout history is they've grown naturally by families having children, but we live in a culture that doesn't value children. And so our culture has fewer and fewer children and our culture says we don't need children at all in some cases, let's just do away with them. But notice that Moses' mother lived in a culture that did not value children. At least certainly did not value Hebrew children, right? Here you have the Israelites living in Egypt, living in slavery, living in bondage, and the decree had gone out that every male Hebrew child, every boy was to be put to death, was to be thrown into the Nile River, was to be killed. In chapter 1, we see the faithful story of Hebrew midwives who, in helping Israelite women deliver their children, deliver their boys, they said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to bow to that pressure. We're not going to bow to the, the pressure of the governmental authorities or the culture in which we live. We're going to do what we know is right, according to God's word. When Moses was born, his mother said, I'm not going to bow to the culture. I'm not going to bow to the edict of the king. I'm going to fear God rather than man. And I'm going to do whatever I can, no matter how dangerous it is to protect my child. And she entered into a very dangerous scheme to protect her child. She made a little basket, literally a little ark, using the same word back from Genesis of the ark that floated on the flood, the ark that kept Noah and his family safe through judgment. Here is this little ark that's going to keep Moses safe through judgment. And she puts Moses in this little ark, this little basket, floats him in the Nile River and puts him among the papyrus reeds. Who knows what might happen to that child? Drowned, crocodile, the wrong Egyptian person find that child and kill that child. It was a risky plan, but she also believed. She believed that God would bless her plan and protect her son. She went to great lengths and went to a lot, 
she, 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 she risked, didn't she? She risked to value and protect her children, even when the culture around her did not. And so she hid her child and the Lord blessed that act. And Moses was kept safe. And we know the story how Pharaoh's daughter came along. Pharaoh's daughter, the the princess came along and she saw the baby there in the Nile River. Her servant brought it to her and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. And she had compassion on him. He was crying. He was alone no doubt hungry, and she had compassion on him. Even in spite of her own father's edict to that this baby should die, this mother exercised what was put in her heart by God. That I believe every normal mother, whether a believer or not, this is a part of God's common grace of how he has wired us as human beings, that that the natural instinct is there for motherhood and to protect this child. And so she saw this child and that instinct kicked in and she said, I I need to protect. I need to, to watch over this child. And notice what happened. Moses' sister, whom we know later on, her name is Miriam. Moses' sister was there watching to see what was happened. Why do you think she was there? Was this Miriam's idea? It was no doubt her mother's idea, wasn't it? Her mother said, Miriam, I want you to stay. I want you to just be over here at a little distance and I want you to see what's going on. I want you to watch over him. Make sure that he's safe. See what happens to him. And so she's watching and she sees what goes on and she sees that Moses is picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and she takes that opportunity, no doubt, I think, instructed by her mother If this was to happen, her mother said, if this happens, then here's what I want you to do. And so she goes over and she says to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and find a Hebrew woman for you to nurse this baby? Now, here's the sad reality of that particular circumstance is that unfortunately there were probably many, many Hebrew women who could nurse, who did not have a baby to nurse because their babies had been killed by this Pharaoh's edict. And so it's really not an unusual request or or suggestion to say, let me go find a mother who could nurse. There were probably many. And she says, yes, go, go find a Hebrew mother who can nurse this child for me. And guess who she goes and finds? We know the story. She finds her own mother. She finds Moses's own mother. She finds Moses' own mother and she comes and agrees to nurse the child and of course is very shrewd, no doubt, in doing so, right? Never acknowledging that this is her own son. I would be willing to nurse this child for you. And Pharaoh's daughter says, I'll even pay you. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about how today in this culture, we need mothers of faith and godly fear who use wisdom and skill to remain faithful to God in the midst of a culture that is hostile to their faith. We need mothers of faith and godly fear who use wisdom and skill 
to remain faithful to God in the midst of a culture hostile to their faith. She lived in Egypt that was hostile to her faith, hostile to her God, hostile to her people, hostile to her son. She was very shrewd, wasn't she? She was very wise. She, she planned this out. She not only planned to put him in the river in this little basket, but she planned for ways that this might play out. And she instructed her daughter Miriam, and, and Miriam knew what to do when this baby was picked up and, and was shown compassion by an Egyptian woman. She knew what to do because her mother had thought this through. She had used wisdom and instructed her daughter to know how to handle the situation based on what happened. And it reminds me of many other places in Scripture where we read about faithful people who not only survive, but flourish in the midst of a hostile culture. Think about people like Joseph. Joseph, sold into slavery, in bondage, maligned, slandered, thrown in prison, Everything's against him, and yet he not only survives, he thrives in that culture. And he remains faithful to God in the midst of that culture. What about people like Nehemiah or Daniel or Daniel's three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Bow down to this statue or you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. They say, we can't do it. We're not going to bow down. God protects them. Or Daniel only, you can only pray to the king and no one else, no other God for 30 days. Daniel says, I'm going to keep praying to my God as I always have. And God protects Daniel from the lion's den. And those three Hebrew men and Daniel, they not only survived in that culture, they thrived. And Daniel and his friends rose to positions of prominence and leadership. Why? Because I think they used wisdom. Nehemiah used wisdom. Daniel used wisdom in order to be able to navigate their culture, still remaining faithful to God, fulfilling his word, fulfilling his commands, loyal to their God, fearing God more than man, but also knowing how to navigate the culture and at times even use that culture to their own advantage. Think about Paul when Paul was arrested and Paul ready to be beaten, ready to be stoned. You know what Paul does? He says, I'm a Roman citizen, and I appeal to Caesar. And guess what? They couldn't put him to death right then. Because of his Roman citizenship, he used wisdom. He used what was available to him. He used the system that was there, but he used it in a way that was still faithful to God. And I thought, I thought about Moses' mother and the way that she used the system and was able to even turn it back around and take advantage of the system And she's not only nursing her own son, she's getting paid to do so. And her son not only survives, but thrives, doesn't he? In this Egyptian culture hostile to faith in God. We need mothers who are full of faith, full of godly fear, who truly understand the meaning of Jesus' statement when he said that we need to be as shrewd as serpents, but innocent as doves. We live in a culture that increasingly is becoming more and more openly hostile to the Christian faith. 
We need shrewdness. We need wisdom. We need to know how to navigate through this culture, even at times using this culture against itself to our own advantage, all the while still being faithful to God and his word. Moses' mother provides an example of that in this passage. So we need mothers of faith and godly fear who value and protect children, even when the culture around them does not. We need mothers of faith and godly fear who use wisdom and skill to remain faithful to God in the midst of a hostile culture. And thirdly, we need mothers of faith and godly fear who teach their children the gospel and the Christian faith so that their children know who they are in the midst of a godless culture. Mothers of faith and godly fear who teach their children the gospel and the Christian faith so that those children know who they are in the midst of a godless culture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says, By faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And notice what the writer of Hebrews goes on to say in Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What is that referring to? It's referring to this little incident in Exodus chapter 2 where Moses, after he had grown up, goes out to look on his people, to look on his Hebrew people to see what's going on and how they're being treated. And he sees an Egyptian beating mistreating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and he steps in, doesn't he? He steps in and he defends that fellow Hebrew. In so doing, he ends up killing the Egyptian, which then puts him on the run. But according to Hebrews, he, that act of defending that Hebrew was an act of faith because he chose to identify with his people rather than with the people of Egypt to identify with God's people rather than those who are of a godless culture. How could Moses make that choice? How could he make that determination? How could he make that choice of loyalty? My, my belief is that Moses was with his mother long enough when he was a young boy, long enough for her to teach him who he was. When we think of a mother nursing a baby today in our culture, we think of it as a few months, maybe up to a year. In the ancient world, they nursed them longer than that. They nursed them into toddlerhood. And I believe that Moses, even as a young boy, was there with his mother long enough to get an understanding of who he was as a Hebrew, to get an understanding of who his God was, And his mother was responsible for teaching him that. So even in the midst of a godless culture, and and notice where Moses spent the rest of his days growing up. He spent the rest of his days growing up in the Egyptian palace, 
learning the language of Egypt, learning the religion of Egypt, learning the false religion of Egypt and all these gods, the Egyptian gods. He learned their religion. He learned their culture. He learned everything about the Egyptian history and culture. And yet when he was grown, he said, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. I'm a child of Abraham. And that's who we chose to identify with. And I, I, I think her mother had a lot to do with that. She was a mother of faith, of godly fear. Here's what we need today. We need mothers of faith and godly fear who teach their children the gospel, teach them the Christian faith so that they know who they are in the midst of a godless culture. So that when they get to high school or college or beyond, they don't walk away from the faith like a lot of professing Christians do. But they stay in the faith. Why? Because they've been taught. They know the gospel. They know the faith. As Paul says to Timothy, I know from whom you learned the scriptures. Referring to his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. I know from whom you learned the scriptures and those scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation We need godly mothers who teach their children the gospel and the Christian faith so they know who they are. So that when they get to high school, when they get to adulthood, they remain in the faith because that's what they believe. They know who they are. May God help us. May God bless us, give us mothers of faith, mothers of godly fear. And now let me just make an extension, uh, an extended application to all of us that a lot of what I've said today applies not just to mothers, but to every single one of us as believers in Christ. Every single believer in Christ, we need to value children in a culture that doesn't value children. Every single one of us as believers in Christ, we need to live wisely and skillfully in a world that is hostile to our faith. Every one of us as Christians, whether we're fathers or mothers or whether we're just Older people who can be a mentor to someone else, we need to teach younger people the faith so that when they grow up, they know who they are. May God bless us with mothers of faith and godly fear, with fathers of faith and godly fear. And may he so bless our church and by extension, our community and our nation and our world by living out some of these principles that we've seen in Exodus chapter 2. Will you bow in prayer with me this morning? Father in heaven, we need your grace. We need your grace because many of the things that we've talked about this morning, we can't do on our own. We can't do in our own strength. We need you to help us. We need your grace to strengthen us and to give us confidence and courage in the midst of a godless culture. We need your spirit to teach us your word and to take your word and implant it deeply in our hearts. We need your grace to resist temptation and the pull of our culture. Our children need your grace to resist the pull of this culture and the temptations of sin that are all around them. Father, we need faith and we know 
that that faith is ultimately a gift from you. We need to fear you and to stand in awe and reverence of you. And we know that that is ultimately a gift of your grace. Father, I pray that you would bless our church with godly mothers, mothers of faith and and fear of God. I pray that they would nourish and, and teach their children and bring them up in the word of faith. Father, give us wisdom, give us courage, give us uh, knowledge and understanding. And may we live faithfully for you in the midst of this world. May we be the salt and the light that you've called us to be. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.